Mental health and suicide can be challenging topics to talk about, especially with young people. Unseen is an award-winning short film that has been created specifically for that purpose. The film and accompanying resources were created to help you have a hopeful conversation with someone who is struggling. Unseen has been shown to thousands of young people across the U.S. and Ireland and sparked countless positive conversations leading to openness and vulnerability. Download the film and resources for free at unseenfilm.org. Welcome to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show. Here you will find a variety of podcasts from authors, bloggers, and speakers ready to encourage you on your daily journey. I can't wait to get started. And now let's listen to today's show. This podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. What is creation? Did God create the world in six days and rest on the seventh? Does anyone really care? These questions and many more, including teaching tips and great resources, are presented in the Creation Science Podcast. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and it's my pleasure and honor to be your host. Some of these shows are from my Best of Creation Expos and other presentations I've completed throughout the years of teaching on this topic. I'm the owner of Media Angels, Inc., a publishing company that produces books, audios, and videos to help you and your family in your Christian walk. Check out my books and other podcasts at MediaAngels.com. To get the show notes for this broadcast, go to CreationSciencePodcast.com. And now, let's learn together. Hi, and welcome. The talk is going to be on creation anatomy. And this goes along with a book that I wrote with scientist uh, Jill Whitlock. And uh, Jill did extensive research into this area. And at the time that we published our book, there really wasn't anything else um, out there that was creation-based. So I was really blessed to be able to um, you know, publish this book. And we are currently, um, when you hear this audio, hopefully um, we will have it done um, fairly quickly. But it is um, currently being um, launched in a new edition. So the name of the book is Creation Anatomy, a Study Guide to the Miracles of the Body. And there will be a new edition out this, this coming year, in 2012. Okay, so we are going to talk about the body and how it points to a creator God. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the body analogy, because God uses the analogy of the body of Christ to the human body. And the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 12, 2 through 27 is just amazingly written. And it shows on the dependence and the interrelatedness of the body and the unity that God wants to see for our church. And so he wants us all, those of us who love Christ, to be focused on our love and our joy for Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. However, the denominations, you know, I just want to say briefly, you know, have driven um, a wedge into the body of Christ. And I pray, of course, for unity with, among all Christians, and I'm sure that we will see that as a, as a heavenly reward. Well, the body is priceless. There um, cannot be a, a price put on the, on the body. In fact, if all of it was uh, taken apart as, you know, it, it's been estimated that it would cost 
um, you know, more than, you know, a quadrillion dollars or, you know, billions and billions of dollars to make one human body just worth so much. And part of it is because of the elements that the body is made of. And so, you know, we know that we cannot set a cost or price on the human body and all life is precious, you know, in, in the womb at the point of conception and beyond and to the elderly. And I think as Christians that is something we need to remember that, you know, we don't believe in, in abortion or euthanasia because we believe in the sanctity of life and that God created all life, you know, to um, to be precious. So and a time of our death is, you know, in the Lord's time and not our time. So, um, you know, that's something to think about and, um, you know, to pray about all the horrific things that happen in our world. Let's look at the bloody the let's look at the blood, the heart, and the respiration. And I'm going to go through a lot of systems of the body. Of course, we don't have a lot of time to go through every single one in exhaustive detail. But I want to bring up you know just some of these great points to you. And the first is you know the circulatory system. And Leviticus 17:14 says the life of every creature is in its blood. And in Deuteronomy 12:23, the blood is the life, and the blood is just so amazingly important. And um, one of the things I want you to think about is how the blood, you know, can do what it does. You know, there's approximately 75 trillion um, cells in the human body, and each of them have the same requirements. And these cells must breathe; they require oxygen. They burn fuel, and um, they require a fuel source. They get hot, they need cooling, they perform work, and they give off exhaust gas. And each one of these cells must be continuously supplied with oxygen and nutrients and have waste and gas and water and, 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 you know, and have that all removed. And that happens throughout an entire lifetime. You know, um, it's just amazing. I mean, our cars have engines and they need to be taken care of, but this engine that God has given us, this body, is just so amazing. And God has combined these separate functions into one system, the circulatory system. Blood is truly amazing with sugar, fat, and other chemicals and minerals that are constantly moving from processing sites to delivery points and taking the waste material from the cells to disposal plants. So our body can be like, you know, can, and can almost be like a, you know, a, a huge warehouse kind of a thing where all these th- different, um, you know, actions are happening. And we breathe air into our lungs, but we only use one-fifth of this air because the oxygen in the air is absorbed into the bloodstream, and that's a called diffusion. You know, gas bubbles in the blood would be fatal. And, in fact, if anyone scuba dies, that's one of the ways that you can you can die if you come up too fast and you've been scuba diving down too long because of the bubbles, um, the, the oxygen in the blood is compressed when you're down deep because of the pressure in the water. And as you come up, you have to rise slowly. And so, you know, that is fatal. But God has this checks and balances in our body that oxygen bonds to the hemoglobin model, which is, you know, in the blood, and the hemoglobin molecule is carried to the cells that need oxygen, and the blood carries oxygen chiefly as an unstable compound, 
which is formed in the lungs, and then it decomposes into oxygen and hemoglobin in the tissue. So hemoglobin is the largest, most complex molecule that occurs in nature. And um, I have a you know, mathematical number on, on my handout. So if you're listening in, in this um, on your um, MP3 device or computer, you may want to get the handout so you can look at that. And it's just, it's just a huge number, and it's the largest, most complex molecule that occurs in nature. So our life depends on four iron atoms that are protected by this giant molecule. And when the oxygen reaches a cell, you know, it diffuses into the cell, and at that same moment, the blood performs another vital function. It carries the exhaust gases from the cell, the exhaust gases from the tissue cells in the form of carbon dioxide, and the carbon dioxide is hydrated, combined with water to form carbon carbonic acid, and then the blood cells, they can't tolerate carbonic acid, therefore it must be neutralized instantly. And at this point, when it's neutralized, the red cell takes it into the bloodstream where it combines with salt and plasma to form sodium bicarbonate, similar to ordinary baking soda. And although we do not have white powdery stuff in our blood, the sodium bicarbonate is a harmless form that is carried to the lungs and, and then expelled. So it's just amazing that, you know, the carbon that we breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. And, and it's just amazing to me that, you know, it is, um, you know, this, this amazing process that God has, has given and has programmed into our bodies, and we don't even have to think about it. You know, we, our blood just works for us. And I have some scriptures um, as well um, in the handout. You know, First John 1 through 7, the blood of Jesus purifies us. Hebrews 9, 14, you know, it cleanses us. And it is the source of the new covenant in Hebrews 12, 24. Um, you know, for the lungs, um, you know, there are so many different important things that the heart, the lungs, and the body does together. And so, you know, without those things, you know, we really could not survive. And it's just amazing how they all work together. You know, it is all in the blood, and um, and the precious blood of Jesus was spilled for us. And everything we need for a life of eternity with God you know, is provided, you know, in, in the blood that he sacrificed for us. So let's take a moment to think about the sacrifice of Christ for us, that he came as a child and he lived and he died for our sins. So we thank you, Jesus, for that. Another fact um, about the heart, which is really cool, is that the first heartbeat occurs about the third week of life, when we are about as big as a letter C. How cool is that? And also that the, the um, circulatory system does a job, a good job of returning blood to the heart and other parts, and that's kind of a cool thing to look into the circulatory, the circulatory system. Um, another fact is that if all the blood cells in the body were hooked together end to end, they would measure over 90,000 miles, which is almost halfway to the moon. So, you know, there are a lot of things about our body which are just astounding, just astounding. What about respiration, about breathing? You know, and, and Genesis 2-7 says, And the Lord formed man from dust to the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. 
well, you know, we need so much um, oxygen in order to live, and we know that without oxygen we would die. But why do we need the oxygen? Well, the oxygen is breathed in and it gets transported to the cell where it's burned with glucose to produce energy in, in a process called metabolism. And oxygen is combined with excess of carbon to form carbon dioxide. And that is, um, again, we talked a little bit about that. And that is um, combined with water, which are waste products. And these waste products are then taken back to the lungs and breathed out. And the process is known as cellular respiration. And, um, you know, it's just amazing that again, that God has all of these automatic things. Like, we don't have to think, let's breathe in and breathe out and breathe in and breathe out. Okay, you know, we get all our carbon dioxide out. You know, no, it just happens. It just happens automatically. Um, And so, you know, it is um, amazing things or, you know, weird things that happen, like we get hiccups and that's caused when our diaphragm tightens and um, it causes us to take a short gasp of air and and hiccups, to the sound made by our vocal cords. But, um, you know, our bodies are just this amazing living being that God has made it, because God has made, and, and there's a lot of processes in our body. You know, when we're young and we feel great and, and you know, we're healthy, um, for many of us, um, I know there are many who are ill, but we're going to talk a little bit about injuries in a minute. But, you know, our bodies are, they grow older as time goes on, and, um, you know, it, it's a difficult thing, you know, to, to age and to watch someone we love, you know, that's elderly. However, God has made us in this amazing capacity um, with our bodies, and, and we are to take care of them. You know, have you ever gotten hurt? Well, let's look at injuries and healing. You know, the blood is more than red, cell, red blood cells and plasma. There are many substances contained in the plasma, like nutrients and minerals. And there are some very important ones um, that begin the repair process once someone's injured. And they carry plasma, which are white cells, and there are large and less numerous red blood cells. And the white blood cells we know um, fight disease. And so um, there are, you know, white cells that are called lymphocytes and monocytes, and um, probably not pronouncing that correctly, but... Um, the platelets, which are called thrombocytes, are one-fourth of the size of a red cell. And although they live for less than two weeks and are not a true cell, but rather a fragment, platelets are very important because these are essential to helping the blood to clot after an injury. And a clot is called a thrombus. And I want to talk about clots because that's something, you know, you might get when you fall or scrape your knee. And platelets help the blood to clot after an injury, and they start a complicated series of chemical reactions at the location of the injury. When a vessel is injured, blood leaks out, and the damaged cells release a chemical that reacts with other chemicals in the plasma and and cause the clotting. And so, you know, it's it's amazing how that happens. And, um, you know, clotting is so complex that we just know that there had to be a creative God involved in this. And there's just like a huge amount of of effort that goes into just making a blood clot. Another important uh, part of the body's defense is a system against infection um, that is called the lymph nodes. 
And lymph is a clear liquid that leaks into tissues from the plasma and is collected in its own system of vessels known as a lymph system. And lymph, no lymph, no lymph <laughs> nodes swell when there is infection. And that's because their white blood cells, you remember they fight germs, um, go over to the site and they multiply in order to fight the infection. So it's kind of like, you know, the, the body's defense is that these, these germs go to this one spot where the body can contain it and then it sends in the little, you know, soldiers, so to speak, to, to uh, kill the, the germs. And, you know, if you've ever been sick, have you ever felt the back of your neck? One of my children, especially when he's sick, in the back of his neck, his lymph nodes get really big. So that's one of the ways I can tell that he's not feeling well. All right, the skeletal system and muscles. We're not going to talk a whole lot about muscles, but I wanted to talk about the bones a little bit. You know, our bones are the skeleton in our framework, and they give it a place for the muscles to attach and allow us to move. You know, without the muscles, the body would not be able to move. Um, and without the skeleton, the muscles wouldn't have a way to connect and to contract and extend. So, you know, God, again, made everything to work together. And bones are alive. You know, biologists call the skeleton dynamic. Just like a coral reef may look like, you know, this beautiful, you know, dead thing, but it's actually a colony of living animals. And so, too, you know, bones are not just dry sticks, but they're made up of living cells that need food and water and grow and repair themselves. You know, the rigid part of the bone has thousands of holes and tunnels for nerves and blood cells, and the bone is a hollow cylinder filled with soft, fatty, and gelatinous kind of material called bone marrow. The blood cells are made in this red marrow, and that is about 70% fat. So the bone is covered with a thin layer of specialized connective tissues called um, periostenum that is involved in the healing of fractures. So the body is a remarkable engineering masterpiece, and we know who our designer is. Job writes in the verse 8 to 11, your hands shaped me and made me. Remember that you, were, you molded me like clay. Did you not clothe me with the skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews? You know, God did. And this package is amazing because we're, we have the capability to be strong and efficient. And, you know, I just think that God must have loved the body so much because he sent Jesus so that Jesus was able to experience the human body. You know, bones are strong, but they're light. Pound for pound, the thigh bone is stronger than an equal weight of concrete. And these are some kind of fun facts that 206 bones make up the skeleton framework and they support about 650 muscles plus all the organs, which weigh about five times more than the bones, which is very impressive. And the 80 bones of the skull, spine, and rib cage make up what we call the axial skeleton. The rest of the bones are called the appendicle skeleton. And you know, this is another interesting fact, which I thought was cool, that the distance inside the elbow to the wrist is just about the length of your foot. And when I looked at it, I thought, no, it's not. But then I bent my hand, and I looked, and that is about my foot, um, the, the length of my foot. So get your shoe and, and bend your wrist and see if that's the length of your foot. Again, you know, the skeleton... Um, the skull protects the brain, and that's um, something we'll talk about in a little bit. But 
But it's just amazing that, you know, we, we have hands that can feel. We're going to talk about sensory in a little bit and, and all kinds of muscles that are, are smooth. Um, you know, we have voluntary and involuntary muscles. The voluntary muscles mean we can make it work and involuntary are things that happen on their own that God's programmed into our body. So, you know, that's something to look at. And if you happen to have the book Creation Anatomy, you can read more details in each of these sections that I'm talking about. What about the digestive system? You know, when I write the digestive system, I just go, ooh, well, we must eat to live, and everything we eat has to be broken down. And a really cool experiment is to take, you know, some crackers and a baggie, a Ziploc bag, and um, put some water in and throw some crackers in and mush it around. And we kind of see a little bit about, you know, what, what happens when we digest. Well, we know that digestion is the process that takes our food, like a cracker or apple or hamburger, and turns it into the fuel of our body. You know, energy comes from the sun, and it radiates onto the, the trees and the food, you know, whether it's a cow or a chicken or a, a veg, something vegetarian. And it also radiates on the grass that the cow eats. And when we eat the apple or the hamburger, we're consuming the stored energy. And digestion begins in the mouth, and that's one of the reasons moms always say, chew your food well, because if you chew it well while it's in your mouth, it helps it to break down and you don't have indigestion. When we swallow food, it, it swallows, it goes down the esophagus and into the stomach, and the enzyme pepsin is the gastric juices that break down the proteins. And um, other enzymes that come from the pancreas continue to move the process in the small intestines where most of the nutrients are absorbed, and then the fats move through our system, and they're unaffected until they reach, um, you know, again, the small intestine where bile and the liver break down some more. So as it passes through our intestines, um, you know, it, it more and more is taken out of it. So, um, you know, in the small intestines, it's absorbed, some of it's absorbed, some of it's continuing to be broken down, and then it goes to the large intestines, and there's water um, in the food that's absorbed and the rest is excreted. So, you know, saliva does a lot uh, to um, help to break down our food and, you know, it has um, glands and so forth that go with that. But I'm not going um, to talk about that today. But I am going to show you this, um, this model of digestion and it says food, digestive system, bloodstream, tissue cells, and waste. And if you go through that, you know, first we eat food, it goes and it's digested, then our bloodstream picks it up, and we need amino acids, fatty acids, and simple sugars, and oxygen, you know, that help, um, you know, us to live, and that comes from the food. And then our tissues and cells absorb as well. And again, that's going to be, you know, the energy and the heat um, that our body needs, and then the waste is, is carbon dioxide and water that's expelled. So, you know, the, the Word of God um, tells us that, you know, Jesus is the bread of life. And so, you know, we can remember that, you know, that Jesus is the bread of life. And amazing that he taught us, you know, in the Last Supper how important the meal was. And so we need to consider that, you know, in our daily walk with, with Christ, that, you know, he um, himself did partake of life, um, you know, as a human when he was here. And um, and so, you know, he um, talks about that and extensively in the scriptures. 
you know, we should hide God's word in our hearts and continually go over it, and we will get something new and beneficial every single time. All right, what about the nervous system and the brain? Well, the brain and the nervous system are the master control system of the body. They perform functions of thinking, sleeping, feeling pain, breathing, moving, seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, eating, secreting, growing, controlling temperature, um, receiving input from the senses, processing this information, and formatting a response. <sighs> Aren't you tired? I am just thinking about it. You know, we can point to our brain, but we can't point to our mind. Scientists can understand how some area of the brain works, but they don't understand others, and they don't understand the mind. So, uh, you know, while scientists say that the workings of the mind fall outside the realm of science, science scientists can, however, understand what the brain is and how it performs some of the physical functions, as well as, you know, like our different lobes of where we think and learn and imagine and reason and dream and so forth. You know, the brain has been compared to a computer, but I don't think that's a great comparison because a computer can only solve instructions that's been programmed for. And, um, you know, but the brain has millions of bits of information that it processes simultaneously. And while they both rely on electrical impulses, the brain operates on about the same amount of power as a 10-watt bulb. But the brain can analyze information, format a plan, and even reprogram itself and make decisions. And no computer can do this. No artificial intelligence even comes close. So, um, you know, only man has the ability to, um, you know, do the things that he can do. And, you know, and that's part of being creative or, um, you know, doing things that are outside the realm, like, for example, you know, being artistic is beside the realm of a creature, you know, and and so, um, you know, our dogs are not, you know, artistic. They can work and they know, you know, let you know when they're hungry, but they're just not, um, you know, into doing art, you know. Yes, you can have an, an, a dog that paints with his paws, but that's because a human taught it to do it. So, um, obviously, humans are, you know, much more... Um, you know, made in God's image so that we can reason and think. Let's talk about the skin. And the skin is amazing. You know, it's not only protective, it's semi-waterproof, covering, it's flexible, it keeps down germs, it regulates the body temperature and keeps in moisture, and it's loaded with neurons that make it sensitive to touch. We get input through our skin and the environment around us just like we do through our eyes and ears. And the skin has two layers, the epidermis that you can see, with its pores and hair and the dermis, that's the lower layer that contains the blood vessels, sweat glands, hair roots, and the nerves, and lots and lots of nerves. You know, the skin must be able uh, to detect sensations like pain, uh, hot and cold pressures. And so, you know, that's very, very important. But the very outer layer, the epidermis, has no nerves. It's mostly dead skin waiting to flake off and be replaced with other skin. Some areas of the skin are much more sensitive than others, like the lips, tongue, and fingerprints are the most sensitive. The fingerprints contain many more pain receptor nerves than other areas. And besides containing the pain receptors, the skin on the fingertips form a pattern of ridges called fingerprints. Each of our 10 fingerprints are different. No two people in the world have identical fingerprints, not even identical twins. And, you know, that's just amazing, amazing to me. So, um, you know, nerve 
our nerve impulses must cross over a, a gap or, or synapse to get to the next neuron and in an axon terminal, which is a, it sounds like super complicated. It almost sounds like a, you know, some kind of radio or MP3 kind of, you know, radio device. And so, you know, there's neurotransmitters that are enhanced. Uh, those are the chemicals that cause the impulse to go to the next neuron. So, again, an amazing process of life that God has given us. You know, amazing. And, um, you know, just uh, wonderful to think about. So, you know, we do have viruses and we do have bacteria, and, again, the body can uh, combat that. You know, smallest living thing is a virus, and there's some argument as to whether or not viruses are alive. But a virus needs a living host in which to reproduce. So how could it have been first a living thing to evolve from a primordial soup or goop, as some evolutionists believe? You know, so that's one of the things that we refute, that God created us and and um, we didn't just happen. Well, the next largest living thing is bacteria, but it too has been, um, had a similar problem of needing um, a host or a substrate in order to to live. And even the so-called simplest cell is very, very, very complex. Michael Behe in his book, Darwin's Black Box, talks about the complexity of the cell from a microbiologist's point of view. That is an amazing book. Michael Behe is a theistic evolutionist. He believes that God created the world, and, you know, he he is a Christian. However, he believes that um, he did it through evolutionary processes, but it had to be a designer because it couldn't just happen. So we do um, believe that there is a creator God, and we do believe that God created the world as he said in Genesis. And it's only um, through special creation by a divine creator. And, you know, First Timothy tells us in 6, 20 through 21, Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, while some have professed and in doing so have wandered from the faith. And I really believe that's what happens when people, you know, hold to an evolutionist and an atheistic evolution point of view. So how does life begin? The most incredible miracle of the human body is the development of new life. Each cell in the human body, except for red blood cells, has 46 chromosomes. And, you know, the, the different genders have the different chromosomes that need to come together. So um, there's 23 chromosomes that the father has and 23 chromosomes that the mother has. And these combined together give you 46 chromosomes. So every human spends approximately half an hour as a single cell. Isn't that cool? And the fertilized egg you know, is the beginning development of the human, and it's just an amazing process. Birth is an amazing process uh, to behold. Well, we're not going to go into the entire human birth because, again, we have a lot of ground to cover, and um, I want to go into um, the, the structure of humans, which is DNA and the origins of life. DNA stands for, you know, deoxyribonucleoacid, um, you know, again, I am not a scientist. I am a, a person who loves the whole idea of the creation and, and evolution. I wish I could um, pronounce that better for you, um, but it is here on the slide in the handouts for those of you listening to this audio. Uh, you can get the information in the handouts. Well, amino acids make up proteins, and the nucleotide is composed of a sugar 
a phosphate and a nitrogen base formed by dehydration synthesis. And that's a bunch of fancy words, you know, to say this. But dehydration means it takes out water, and therefore, when a base or se sequence happens, the three letters that code um, are the code for amino acid, it is formed and it is squeezed out. Um, and it squeezes out a molecule of water to form a nucleotide. And so before I get into all of this and it gets super confusing, know that there's DNA and there's RNA, and that's ribonucleic acid. Those are the things that the, the DNA are created. I'm going to try to go through this as clearly as I can. We've heard DNA molecules called a double helix. And a DNA molecule has two chains of nucleotides that wind around each other to form what is a double helix. Well, a nucleus in each cell contains DNA, which carries all the hereditary information about the person. The gene is a DNA sequence that codes for protein or polypeptide. In other words, a gene is a model or recipe for protein. And each person gets half of his or her DNA genes from each parent. And this requires that two chains of DNA double helix must split apart. This process ensures that the hereditary information is passed on from one generation to another. And then RNA is essential to the process of replication. And the process of replication is similar, you know, to making a plaster cast of a head, but this is the cast in reverse. The cast is then filled with other material and processes a mold of the head that looks just like the original head. And when the transfer of RNA fits into the messenger RNA and then the DNA pattern of the right number of amino acids in the proper sequence, you know, that's when uh, this effect happens. And the process of mitosis seems like a very complicated process to evolve by chance. Evolutionists believe that all things formed over periods of time and there were multiple mutations from one single cell that formed accidentally by just the right amino acids coming together in just the right way in some primordial soup on this planet billions of years ago. But we know that the process of DNA is so complicated that even with a DNA sequencing data, there's no um, access to the process of evolution. You know, there are not enough fossil uh, fossil records to answer the question of where man came from. They just find evidence of man. And all the, the, the things that they find, all these human remains, were either apes that have similarities to look like human, which if you look at an ape, you can see similarities. And, you know, they walk upright, and, you know, that that's about, you know, you can go through and, and compare. However... They are fully human. Many of those supposed missing links are just human skeletons. And, you know, it's it's just too bad that some of them um, have been fabricated. We go into this in our book in the Creation Science Study Guide to Creation and also in the Creation Anatomy, uh, the Miracles of the Body, both have some examples of, of those hoaxes. But natural selection um, is not the same as, as macroevolution. Macroevolution is one big jump from a, a species to another species. Natural selection tends to weed out mutations and discourages change and acts in favor of stasis, which is no change. Darwinism became popular because Darwin took the theory of evolution, which had been around since the ancient Greeks, and added natural selection to it as a means for change. 
evolution means change and natural natural selection discourages change. You know, we don't see transitional fossils that are one thing becoming another in the fossil record because they wouldn't have lasted. You know, something that's half of one thing and has a half-formed eye is not going to be able to survive. So the fossils that have been thought to be transitional really transitional really are um, what we find as man, as I said before. You know, Revelation 22.17 says, Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take free the gift of the water of life. And, you know, it's just amazing. Um, again, we can think of Jesus as a living water, and we need him for our spiritual life. And when we look at the body, again, it keeps pointing to a creator God. It's just so complicated. It couldn't just happen by random chance. It's just this amazing, amazing structure uh, that God has given us. And so we look at these things and just are in awe of what God has done. Well, let's look at the senses. Considering, you know, the incredible gift of our senses, because, you know, if someone's blind or deaf, and I had an uncle who was deaf, you know, it was hard to imagine that he couldn't hear music or he couldn't hear sound. And some people have a disease that causes them not to be able to feel pain or sensation. Um, you know, or someone who has lost those senses of sight, you know, or hearing, it's, it's a horrible thing. But we, um, you know, who do have our senses should be thanking God and appreciative for this wonderful gift he's given us. There are so many um, biomechanics of hearing and seeing and, and everything else that is, you know, just so amazing and involved. Just the ear, you know, involves a complexity of transferring sound wave energies into mechanical energies and then into electrical energies as impulses to the brain that are receiving as hearing, um, you know, that, that is just an enormous thing, uh, complexity that's involved. And scientists don't fully understand how we hear or see. You know, again, we see uh, through our eyes and when we look at things, our eyes carry the information about what we are looking at, but it's the brain that actually sees that translates, you know, these words into uh, sounds that our, our vocal cords make, and all of this is processed in the brain. The receptors in our eyes are only part of the process of vision. The brain has to weave together many bits of information about motion, form, depth, color for us to see. The iris is the colored part of the eye, and the pupil enlarges or decreases in size to allow the proper amount of light into our eyes. Light passes through the lenses and the clear jelly inside the eyeball, which I'm sure is called something a lot better than jelly, but and it's inverted on the retina to the back of the eye. So we've seen pictures of what we actually see is all upside down and it's flipped by, you know, the brain. You know, the lens of the eye has an automatic focus of strong muscles and that change in focus, you know, depends on what we are looking at. You know, for those of us who wear glasses or have trouble with our eyes as we get older, those processes get a little bit uh, not as flexible, which is why we have trouble and some of you wear glasses. So um, that's it's because, you know, our eyes are not able to do that rapid focusing. You know, we see beautiful colors and pictures, um, but that are um, still but not in motion. And God gave us movies and technical and sound, and our brain takes these signals from the retina and replays them. And so it's just amazing how that happens. Smell and taste are chemical senses. Um, the chemical receptors in our tongue 
uh, cause the four basic, you know, uh, senses of, you know, the, the, excuse me, of taste, which are sweet, sour, salty, and bitter. And it's really cool. You can draw a map of your tongue and find the, the places um, that that happens and also the sides of our mouth and the tops of our mouth, which we don't read about as often. But, you know, we all we have all these sensors all in our mouth. Um, they provide us with an incre- you know, incredible variety of flavors from chocolate, yum, to strawberries and ice cream to uh, things that are sour like lemon or uh, vinegar. And our tastes tell us whether something we should eat and enjoy or something we should avoid. You know, if you've ever had a stuffy nose or a cold, you know that um, you know, you're not able to breathe. You know that it's very, very important to be able to to breathe in order to have to be able to taste things as well. So everything again works amazingly well together. The molecules of food like chocolate are drawn up into the olfactory neurons as air is inhaled through the nose. And so as we're breathing, you know, that's part of what we um, what our senses need to be able to taste, which is amazing. Touch is an important sense. And we are people that love to touch. We love to hug, shake hands, you know, pet cats, touch dogs, you know, nice soft things and so forth. And, you know, touch involves a very complex neural circuitry. Nerve circuits from all over the body are sent to the thalamus, which is a little organ in the middle of the brain. And this structure has sections made up of neurons that are assigned every area of the body. It's amazing. It's like a central structure or central zone where the signals are sent, you know, and then they, they obviously are sent to another place in the in the body which or into the the mind, you know, where we are also touched in the physical sense, you know, by this, you know, like when someone loves us and hugs us, you know, we might feel different than when we're shaking hands with someone who's an acquaintance. So when we reach out and touch others and we touch our other people's lives for Jesus, we must do it in a gentle way that will be appealing to, to them. We must be able to show Christ to them. That's so important. All right, what about language? Well, one of the most interesting things about humans is they have a spoken language. And even so-called primitive cultures, because we don't really believe that there were primitive or lower life forms, we don't believe that, because God created man fully developed and fully formed. Um, But, you know, cultures have different spoken languages. And some cultures' languages have died out because they have not written it down. Animals, however, are different than us. Yes, they can bark and they can purr and they can react, but animals react on instinct. And while instinct is very important, God has given um, God has given animals for survival. They have no ability to conceive or understand abstract ideas. And so humans, again, have the ability to convey abstract ideas. Only humans have creativity such as art and music and poems and inventions and literature Creativity, creativity is exclusively human. And our last um, topic here is going to be on the races. All human beings alive today are descendants of Noah and his family, the eight people who survived the flood on the ark. It is possible to show through genetics that all skin colors have been generated from two people of medium skin color containing dominant genes for dark skin and the recessive genes for light. The only skin coloring anyone has is the pigment pigment melanin. And some people have more and some people have less. 
People with dark skin have a large amount of melanin. It's M-E-L-A-N-I-N. People with light skin have lower amounts. Orientals have yellow skin. They have an extra layer of fat just underneath the skin that gives a yellowish color. American Indians whose skin is redder than some of the, um, have small capillaries under the skin. You know, my husband is blonde with blue eyes and I'm dark-haired with olive complexion and dark eyes. And our fifth child is blonde with brown eyes and all of my children have a medium or, you know, um, medium complexion. None of them really have as dark of an olive complexion as I do. And so my husband um, is there and he burns in the sun. Um, He does tan, but uh, not as well as I do. And so, you know, there's variations in our children. All of the children have brown eyes, but every single one of them has a variation of brown eyes. And one of my sons has one eye that's brown and the other is half brown and half green, but it's variegated. And it's the coolest thing ever. So, you know, we all have differences and nuances that um, that are passed down from our parents. So um, it accounts for all of the races you know, this, this single parent. And even um, evolutionists have said that we um, started from a single, uh, you know, human. And so it's amazing that they would point to that and they were even calling her mitochondrial, you know, Eve. And then they they took the name Eve out because they didn't want anyone to think that they were giving credence to the uh, Genesis account. So, you know, that's something um, that we need to think about because, you know, just because of the pigment of a person's skin that they inherit based on genes doesn't have anything to do with their worth. And so there really should be no prejudice or discrimination because we were all formed, you know, um, by the lineage which God um, created for us through an Adam and an Eve. While scientists believe, you know, truth is always changing and will always change, we believe on um, the Bible, and we must study it to show ourselves approved of God. Do yourself to pre- do your best to present yourself um, as one who is a Christian who has believed that God created the world, and also to look into the body and the awesomeness of God's creation in the body. You know, we have to again in Second Timothy two fifteen and sixteen. I love the scripture: avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in that will become more and more ungodly. We need to hold our tongues and to really um, pray to God. First of all, we need to pray a thanksgiving for our bodies and for the joy, you know, that we have in this life. And look for God's gifts. God has a gift for each one of you. His greatest gift to you is uh, sending him, his son, Jesus, to die for each one of us. And his second greatest gift is to give you uh, life, and that life is being lived out in this thing that we call the human body. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this event and uh, this recording on the body. And uh, we are um, have a book, Creation Anatomy, The Miracles of the Body, that should be updated in 2012. So if you're listening to this in the archives, um, you can purchase this from our website or many vendors have our books. And if you want more information, go to mediaangels.com. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Creation Science Podcast. You can find the show notes at creationsciencepodcast.com. And as always, reach out to me, Felice Gerwitz at felice at mediaangels.com. Take care, God bless, and I hope you enjoy teaching your children and learning about the beautiful world that God created. Please share this broadcast with a friend and thanks so much. This podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or any of your favorite podcast apps. Look for the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show to keep up to date with all our wonderful podcasts. For a special subscriber printable pack, as well as all our timely freebies, join our email list on theultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com. 